Locked On Podcast Network presents Locked On Sports Today. Want to make some money on the NBA Finals? We've got you covered. Also, the Warriors leadership is shaking up. And is it a good thing for a player to have a label? Big Shot Bob weighs in. I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't-miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're locked on sports today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. After a blood-and-gut seven-game series, the Miami Heat have advanced to the NBA Finals. They will take on the waiting, the rested, the number one seed in the Western Conference, Denver Nuggets. And they are heavy underdogs to beat the Denver Nuggets. So Matt Moore from Locked On Nuggets joins me now to explain why. And it, it is not hard to understand why, but Matt, after what we saw this last round and really through the whole playoffs, do, do you have any more um, trepidation on picking the Nuggets than you may have, say, two or three weeks ago? I think probably not uh, based off of the fact that as impressive as Miami has been, Denver's been more impressive. And that's not based mm. off of like, you could say, well, the opponents that they face, the heat of beating all these really good teams that had chemistry and or severe problems and or injuries. The Nuggets <laughs> ran through the Wolves in five. They lost in one in six, I'm sorry, versus the, the Suns based in on the fact that Devin Booker shot 80% for two series. That's wild. Those are Caleb Martin numbers. Um, then they sweep the Los Angeles Lakers. They sweep LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And that was, that was a seventh seed, right? I think the question of who's better, the heat or these other teams that they faced, how it, it's interesting because it's like the heat were an eighth seed. They're literally the, the lowest seed that the nuggets have faced at the same time, the heat have beaten two teams that would have been favored over the Nuggets in the finals. The Bucs and Celtics would have been favorites, even accounting for home court, they would have been favored in the NBA finals versus the Nuggets, and the Heat beat those teams. But you have to factor in how impressive Denver has been, that they have kept their focus, that they have locked down. They didn't let a game get away in LA. They got out of that series in four. Uh, they could have, that series versus the Suns could have gone longer given how Devin Booker was playing. They absolutely smacked them in both games five and six, including on the road. Denver has been the best team in the playoffs by far. So you have to have a high level of confidence in them at some level on some, some level you can have respect for what the heat have accomplished. You can believe that they have, you know, outperformed expectations and are live in the series. They could absolutely win if they're able to replicate what they have throughout the Eastern conference playoffs, they can win this series, but you can also look at the matchup, look at the strength of the nuggets and come to the conclusion. The Denver nuggets are very likely to win the NBA title. So I, I want to bring in some of the odds on this. FanDuel Sportsbook has the Nuggets right now as 5-1 to one favorites to win the finals, but they're also almost 4-1 to one just to win um, game one. If you were to go about, just say, okay, I have a lean. I have a lean on the Nuggets. How would you, how do you think that makes the most sense to bet on this finals? I think as we're looking at it, you know, game one is a very particular spot. It's not just based off of, uh, teams in game one with with rest advantage. Those teams are seven and two straight up. They tend to win when they have more rest than the opponent in game one of the finals. Teams that come off of a game seven series are awful. 
in game ones. Historically, that's been the trend is that you're it's not just the exhaustion from a seven game series. It's that you only have the, the the heat have to deal with media availability and all the nonsense that goes with the finals. They would have gotten <laughs> yeah. into town on Monday night. They only have two days to prepare for a team that is wildly different from the other teams that they face, especially offensively. So like, there's a lot of edges here. And then you have to factor in Denver's home court, which has been so solid throughout, I think, the NBA playoffs and throughout the regular season, honestly. So to me, it makes a lot of sense that there's that there's kind of this opportunity. There are at FanDuel, there's bets for game one and to win the series. You can also bet on Nikola Jokic. You have to lay a lot of money if you're looking to bet the Nuggets. You have to lay the juice on those on those bets because they are such heavy favorites. But there are ways to take some of the juice off of it, and you can just look around the market. Make sure that you shop around through FanDuel to look and find what is the best market for you. But ultimately, Denver has a huge advantage of this in terms of the, as particularly game one. This is a very good opportunity. And as far as the number goes, at eight and a half, got to let you know, like teams that have won have covered at about an 80% clip throughout these playoffs. Wow. If you win, you cover. If you are a dog and you cover, you win outright. So if you're going to bet the Heat plus eight and a half, you want to be betting them on the money line. If you're going to bet the Nuggets, you should bet them to cover the number. And you're getting much more favorable odds in both of those cases to cover for, for the Nuggets and, of course, on the money line for the Heat. So... Uh, we're, we're going to get this in, in a couple days and it's, it's going to be another meat grinder. I think, even if it is a short series, because Miami makes it that way, Matt, I appreciate the time. Thank you. Stay up to date through the finals and all year on the Denver Nuggets by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and Locked On Nuggets on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today. Your first listen coming up, the Warriors leadership. Had a surprise shakeup on Tuesday. Before we get to what is next for the dubs, John Gruden paid a visit to the Saints. We'll tell you why. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA Finals because right now new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and sign up today to claim a no-sweat first bet. Bet that you can wager on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will lead the NBA Finals in scoring. FanDuel likes Nikola Jokic to be the leading scorer for the series and has his odds at plus 110 to do so. He's followed closely by Jimmy Butler at plus 170, the only other player. This is wild. With better than 65 to 1 odds to lead the Finals in scoring is Jamal Murray at plus 260. Like that one, by the way. So don't miss your shot at a no sweat first bet up to 20. $500 when you go to FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash on to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. John Gruden was in attendance at multiple New Orleans Saints practices last week. Saints coach Dennis Allen says they are not making a bunch of drastic changes to their offense, though. Obviously, John's a guy that... Uh, has a lot of experience with Derek, um, and Derek's had his most success uh, under John Gruden. And so uh, we felt like bringing him in, uh, having a chance to sit down and, and uh, visit with him as an offensive staff, with the quarterbacks, um, and just get some new thoughts and ideas, things that we might be able to implement. Um, you know, I would say this, I would say, you know, offensively for a long time uh, that I've been here, uh, we've been, We've been pretty effective offensively. Uh, and so uh, I don't see us putting in a whole new offense or doing something 
dramatic, but you know, if there's a few ideas that we could take from that, uh, we felt like that would be beneficial. Maybe he just wanted someone to do color commentary for their practice videos. Who knows? Valley Sports has televised its last San Diego Padres game. Its parent company, Diamond Sports Group, has decided not to pay the San Diego Padres their latest rights fee. A monumental development that will revert the team's broadcasting rights to Major League Baseball. Moving forward, starting Wednesday and continuing through the end of the season and resuming in perpetuity, Major League Baseball will air Padres games through its streaming service and on a different cable channel. Diamond is navigating through bankruptcy proceedings in the wake of significant financial losses that were caused by the debt it incurred from the initial purchase and the accelerated rate of cord cutting throughout the United States. Sorry, cord cutter here. Valley Sports also broadcasts NBA and NHL games on top of Major League Baseball games. The regional sports network model as we know it is changing dramatically and will continue to do so over the next few years. Speaking of the diamond, the Cincinnati Reds scored nine runs and still had to sweat out a road win against the Boston Red Sox. Man, is it hot in here or was that just the Reds about to blow a six-run lead in one inning? My goodness, that was way too close for comfort. What's up? This is Jeff Carr from the Locked On Reds podcast. And Jose Barrero hit a grand slam. Will Benson had three hits and Ben Lively threw five and two-thirds shutout innings at Fenway. And the Reds won by one run. <laughs> they entered the ninth inning up nine to three. And Eduardo Salazar gave up five runs. And we need Alexis Diaz to close this game. This is probably a game that Alexis Diaz figured he did, he wasn't needed. But uh, man, for like eight innings, this seemed just like the easiest win that the Reds have ever had at Fenway. And all of a sudden, they come back. That, that, that was whew, a little bit too close. This team is never going to be boring, right? The Reds are never going to be boring. And something must have been in the air around Major League Baseball as the Baltimore Orioles also had to sweat out a seven-run lead as they held on for dear life to beat the Cleveland Guardians. Let me tell you, it is never easy for these Baltimore Orioles. Even when they lead 8-1 to one in the sixth inning, they still have to use their high-leverage relievers, but the Orioles hold on for an 8-5 victory over the Guardians on Tuesday night. Connor Newcomb here, host of Locked on Orioles. The O's even the series at one game apiece. Kyle Gibson, pretty good. Offense, great early. They got eight runs off Cal Quantrill, just bludgeoned the Cleveland starter. But then the offense didn't score much down the stretch, and the Orioles' bullpen was horrendous. They let Cleveland into the game. Guardians had the tying run at the plate in the eighth inning somehow, and this game looked like a blowout. But the Orioles have never beaten a team more by more than five runs this year. It's only happened three times. They only play close games. They do it again, but they get the win on Tuesday. And I'll recap it all coming up on Wednesday's episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. Here is another story you need to know. The man who built one of the most iconic teams teams of will no longer be shepherding his team moving forward. Bob Myers to step down as GM and head of basketball operations for the Golden State Warriors at a time when the Warriors have major decisions to make about the future of their team. The man who beat Woj to breaking the news, Sarah <laughs> from Locked On Warriors, joins me now. 
And I promise we will not do a full five minutes just on the victory lap there, but we shouldn't. This yeah. does have re- this does have real implications for how I think a lot of people predict th- this team will operate moving forward. How do you see the change as impacting the vision of this Warriors team? Well, I, I think the biggest fear right now that I'm getting, and, and I understand it. I, I posted a, a new episode of Locked On Warriors right after the press conference, and it just came into my own mind, and then. Uh, in doing other uh, guest hits, these questions come up as well, which is that the, whether or not Joe Lacob is going to follow the same parallel uh, of Jerry Jones, the owner of the Cowboys. Um, these are two owners who um, both have, uh, uh, I hope delusions of grandeur is not the right way to put it, but possible. <laughs> um, I mean, J- Jerry Jones won his three Super Bowls. And then decided I'm going to be the GM and and run this thing and they haven't won anything in, in nearly 30 years, and there is a great fear uh, from the Dub Nation fan base that the same pattern might uh, emerge with the Warriors just because Joe Lacob today uh, joined Bob Myers on the press conference and um, when he was asked whether or not they were going to replace Myers with someone in house, uh, someone out out of uh, you know someone from the outside, uh, initially he said he wasn't going to answer it, but then he reference that it was likely going to be from someone inside. Um, and he's obviously talked up his son, Kirk Lacob, uh, as someone who can uh, handle personnel. Um, so that is the great concern right now in terms of the future of the Warriors is, is ownership going to take a Jerry Jones approach where they're hands-on with personnel decisions, or will they continue to trust someone uh, while staying out of the way? The interesting part of that is the Cowboys have actually drafted really well in the Jerry Jones era of late. They just have managed the salary cap really poorly because of a meddling Jerry Jones. <laughs> There's also the the legacy part of this, right, Cyrus? Because Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, their futures are up in the air given the money that they are going to be making in the case of Draymond Green on a new contract. And now we have all these new rules with a new CBA set to take effect that is going to punish teams like the Warriors who are set to have over $200 million on their books coming up. How do you see it? If, if it is, even if it is someone in house, it's not going to be Bob Myers. How do you see that difference impacting decisions like what to do with Draymond Green and Clay Thompson? Yeah. Draymond um, has a player option that he has to decide on. He told Mark Spears of ESPN um, in the locker room after game six. I don't know if he was in the locker room, but I'm, I'm going to assume that part of it because he only told Mark Spears this, and which is that if Myers leaves, he's going to leave. Um, mm. And now granted, look, emotions running high right after game six. Who knows if that's how he still feels, but he's commented on random social media posts in the replies to anyone alluding to Myers leaving that it would suck. Um, he has a close relationship with Bob Myers. So I, I feel like that's one of the first things to look out for is 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 Draymond going to opt into that uh player option I didn't think he was going to regardless but now the question is would he accept you know some sort of extension um is he going to walk all together that's really a lot of that is up to Draymond and obviously if the team wants him long term but um very curious to see what happens there Clay has one more year on his deal he's going to make approximately 43 million dollars um he has expressed interest in, a, in an extension for max uh, con- max contract. I don't think he's going to get that. Um, look, there's a lot of questions here that I, I don't think anyone has the answers to at this point, but I will, I'll tell you this. This is what is empirically true, or at least close to empirically true, which is that if the Warriors keep this team uh, in its current state, 
um, and they don't make any significant moves. They, 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 they go ahead and draft with the 19th pick. They fill the roster with veteran minimums. Um, they're looking at a, at a payroll that could be close to a half billion dollars. More specifically, $490 million is what they're projecting it to approximately reach, including all the penalties. And Seems Lake like a lot. <laughs> that's, that's a yes. And I don't know if, any, if that mark has ever been hit in any sport. Maybe it has. I don't know. But uh, so Joel Lacob has said previously publicly that he doesn't want to spend over 400, which means that you're going to have to come up with a way to, to cut 90 million out. Um, but the Warriors are, op- are also very limited in their options. They can't sign any free agents to a deal outside of a minimum deal. Uh, they, you know, so the only options they have here is trades um, and the draft. And I am very curious to see what they do because I can't. I do not see ownership spending all that extra money, especially for a team that just showed they're no longer a world champion. So it, it, <laughs> Warriors land is in flux right now. That's the best way I could put it. Stay up to date all year on the Golden State Warriors by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and Locked On Warriors on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Coming up, is it a good thing or a bad thing to earn a label in the NBA? Seven-time NBA champion Robert Ori weighs in. Would you rather be an ultra-megastar in the NBA but never win a championship? Or... Robert Ori. That's a question that is bandied about on sports talk shows and watering holes around the country. Big Shot Bob joined Matt George on Locked on Kings to discuss what it's like being a player with a label. Robert, that that shot specifically, I mean, that series was just incredible. I'm going to ask you and focus more on that series and that battle than just the shot itself. But from a Sacramento perspective, that defined who Robert Ori is. But that, that shot doesn't define who you are and who you were as a, a professional NBA player, did it? Um, it's, it's so weird. Um, there's so many players in this league that can do so many different things. But once you get labeled, that's who you become. And for me, uh, you know, it started out in you know Houston, my last couple of years in Houston. And it's, oh, he's a three-point shooter. I'm like, okay, I'm labeled now. And you never want to be labeled. You just want to be a basketball player. And I think for me, and it's fine with me because it it made me it helped me make a lot of money. It kept me in the league a long time, and but it's it's always great to have a label, a good label. You know, I remember you know when I left the Lakers and was playing against you know the Lakers and Kobe went over to Carl Malone and Kobe just looked at Carl like, "Don't leave Rob, don't leave Rob." It's funny, and then and in that game he left me, but I missed the shot. He's like. I told you not to leave Rob and Carl. Like he misses it. I don't care. That normally doesn't happen. When we're talking about role players, role players with history versus mega superstars, in most cases, and certainly in the case of Robert Ory, we're talking about you know millions of dollars versus generational wealth. Certainly, you'd rather be the person with generational wealth. But at a certain point, it's just decimal points. It's just commas. It's still being essentially set for life. It's just depending on how, how many grandkids and great-grandkids could also theoretically be set for life. Here's what I do know. You'd much rather be a role player with the moniker, Big Shot Bob, than not. That's it. Because that's all that really separates you from the stars. Stars and the role players. The only in-between is when you are Big Shot Pop.
something like that. That's what I would want to be if I could be a role player or a role player with a name. I'd rather have the name. And look, memories in a lot of ways is all we really have. Well, in tens of millions of dollars, that helps too. And finally, the hot topic on the table at SEC spring meetings is what the conference schedule will look like when Texas and Oklahoma join in 2024. That is going to take some getting used to. And the conference becomes a 16-team hegemon. As for the guy sitting at the head of the table, Kirby Smart, he doesn't care. The most overrated conversation in the world, the Georgia coach said on Tuesday. The options are sticking with an eight-game slate but shifting to one annual rivalry game instead of the current two. We're going to nine games with three annual rivals. The SEC has been trying to figure this out for more than a year. Whatever they decide, I'm pretty sure it will make for some great television. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen. Coming up tomorrow, who is the most important player in the NBA Finals? So at least until tomorrow, stay Locked On Sports today.